Welcome to the Yes Code Podcast. I'm your host, John Britton. Today, we have Aurelien Georgette, co-founder and chief product officer at Strapi. Strapi is an open-source, headless content management system with a strong community-driven strategy. In this episode, we walk through the evolution of the product from an idea of a WordPress alternative to a developer platform for building content-driven experiences at scale. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Yes Code Podcast. Today, we have Aurelien Georgette, co-founder of Strappy. Hello. Hello, John. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, good. Just back from vacation, so putting in the other eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet it was uh, really relaxing. It's great to have you on the show. Um, just to get started, I'd love to just get to know a little bit about you as a developer. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your background, like how you got into software and, and where you spend most of your time now? Yeah, um, I started coding when I was 13 years old. <laughs> so it's been more like 16 years. I've been coding even if the last few years um, as a CPO at Strapi, uh, I'm not coding anymore, like not, not enough uh, to be uh, defined as a developer. Um, but yeah, I started with PHP, or from what I remember, um, I practice many different coding languages, um, Java, C Sharp, um, uh, PHP, of course. And, and I was part of the first uh, developers using Node.js. Um, and I played a lot with JavaScript. And I think this is where I built my expertise and why I'm, uh, I co-founded Strapi and, and I'm not part of the company and, and, and uh, as a CPO. So yeah, that's uh, it's about Excellent. my... Uh, and- so I, I know a little bit about Strapi, but um, I'd love to hear directly from you, you know, what is Strapi and what is the problem you're trying to solve? Yeah, great question. Strapi, we, we <laughs> define ourselves as a headless CMS. It, it's not, it was not the case at the first, like when we started Strapi, uh, we, we were mostly like a Node.js backend framework uh, and trying to empower our developer to build a API. And that's where the name comes from. Like Strapi means bootstrap your API. Um, and we, we decided to make a shift a, a few years later, um, because we, we, it was impossible for us to, to monetize Strapi, uh, as a backend framework. So we are now a headless CMS and we are trying to help like companies and, um, businesses to manage their content at scale on different platforms. Uh, by platforms, uh, I mean, like could be website, mobile apps, or any screens connected to internet. So. For example, we have some airlines using Strapi to, you know, display the videos and the movies uh, in some of their planes. And we have um, some, like, companies, like, using, um, you know, when you are waiting for the bus at the bus station, you have some big screens that display some ads. Some of them are managed by Strapi in France or Germany. So, yeah, any kind of content that can be displayed somewhere on screen, uh, Strapi is... Uh, is often a good fit to to handle this kind of content. It could be anything, uh, text, image, videos. We manage uh, everything for you. And um, the particularity of Strapi is that we are open source. So um, 99% of our users, they don't pay for Strapi and they use the community and free edition. And the, the, the cool part with this business model of being open source is that um, it's mostly big corporations, uh, businesses are paying for the enterprise edition that make the project uh, sustainable for the free users. So that's uh, how we are trying to find a good balance between both. That's pretty cool. Excellent. I definitely want to talk more about the open source business model as well. Yeah, it is. Uh, what can you say about that? Like, we, we well, have like two approach, but yeah. 
Ask yeah, I mean, I just, I just think about like the, the attitude that you just expressed when you were talking about it was that, um, you know, the big companies, enterprise use cases are sustaining, you know, for the open source community. And it sounds like you're pretty mm-hmm. happy and pretty proud that a lot of people are using the software uh, on the open source forum for a lot of things. So I just wanted to get into your mindset about how you think about that. Like what, what's the, what was the motivation and what was the kind of the, the decision tree that you went through when you decided um, you know, to make it an open source business model. Yeah. Um, uh, to be completely transparent, I think we have been lucky. Like uh, when we started Strapi, we were still students, like in the middle of our master degree. So we, it was a no brainer for us. To, it, it, the goal was not to make uh, a company to build a business. The goal was just to build something for us as freelancer to like easily, like the goal was to stop using WordPress because WordPress was not fitting our needs anymore as a developer. And we wanted to create something new with new technology. And that's why we beat Strapi. And um, for us, the goal was not never to monetize. It was just to create a tool that could help us to build web apps for our customers. So um, we put Strapi as an open source project and we get a lot of traction uh, because I think we have been very transparent and the intent was really good uh, with the community. So that's how we beat that community by answering any questions, by uh, helping them when they were using Strapi. And yeah, the the the, the wish or the, yeah, to create a business came later. Like, so maybe that's why we're so proud of that. Like when we created Strapi, there was no intent to build the businesses to make money from it. And it was like just pure open source and pure willing to willingness to make something free that could help and impact millions of people. And today that's what we did. And we are so proud of that. When, when you go in the middle of uh, last summer, I went to Cambodia, for example, and, and some people recognize my t-shirt in the middle of a country where <laughs> I'm not going from. So, or even in the elevator in, in, in San Francisco, people recognize the t-shirt and we're just so proud of this because it means we created something impactful for, for them. I love that. It makes me like it warms my heart to hear you say that. The um, I've definitely experienced in my time working as a as a dev, um, being able to travel and work for like relatively big name brand and be recognized. And it it must feel really Thanks. great that that's like a project that you created. Um, you know, um, as yeah. well. So I want to talk about the problem space of content management. So I actually have a lot of experience in this space because I've worked, actually, when I got into software development, my first kind of software job was I was a Drupal developer, which is basically mm-hmm. saying I clicked on interfaces of a CMS and like wrote some snippets of PHP code here and there to make a, to make a publishing platform. Um, but there are so many tools that are billed as CMS, you know, content management systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so two parts to this. The first is, you know, what... Have, did you see like up until the point when you started creating Strapi that made you think like we need another thing in this space, right? Like there's so many tools that are at the CMS space. Like what made you say, okay, I've seen this problem so many times. No one's solving it the right way, right? Yeah. And I should build a new thing or we should build a new thing. And then kind of with that, what makes the problem space of content management so complicated and difficult? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, I, I try to, to remember, but yeah, as I mentioned, we were like big WordPress users, like we are using WordPress, heavy users of WordPress. And 
And at the time, like, yeah, WordPress was in PHP and still in PHP. And it was perfect and still perfect to build websites. And we, we were in the middle of, of 2014. And, and we had this, we have seen this shift of people moving from website to mobile. And they wanted both. Okay, I want a mobile app and we want also uh, uh, a website. That was like a new kind of request for customers. So um, WordPress was not fitting uh, to, to this use case. So that's why we created Strapid. But the initial goal was just to spread content on different platforms. And something we discovered later is that we were also in the middle of a, a completely like big change in terms of, in terms of paradigm of, of development. Like people moved from PHP to JavaScript and JavaScript became the universal programming language for both front-end, mobile, and, and back-end. And, and we have been lucky, again, I think our positioning at the time to build something on a new technology, Node.js, and, and be part of the JavaScript ecosystem really helped us to, to get traction. Um, so yeah, I think those were the two main changes that, um, encouraged us to build Strapi. Um, and, and why it's difficult, um, it's, we have to think like the open source community, it's really, really, really hard to build a community. Like that huge is, it's very complicated, very difficult because there's a lot of unknowns. It's not like building a business, building a community, but it's about social interaction. It's about humans trying to gather together to build something good um, without uh, bringing money in the middle of the conversation. So it's it's really difficult, and we 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 don't have a specific secret source for that. I will build it. I think we're just the intent was very positive, and we were like just like completely transparent and honest with the community about our intentions. And the third thing about Strapi, which was very difficult and still difficult, we have this community. And then it's about, I, I told you that the goal with Strapi was to spread content on different platforms. And and yeah, that was one of the benefits of the Atlas, but we are seeing that it's not that true. People still love websites and they still love to develop websites using a CMS. Which is not very true when you build a mobile app. You don't like have this automatic um, um, behavior to choose a CMS. When you build a website, most people they want to have a CMS or like to have a solution like Webflow, for example, to to build a website, something that can they can rely on. And when you build a mobile app, it's not the same for content except for big apps. So um, we have seen so many mobile apps, some are very well known that are still managed that still manage their content through spreadsheets, for example, this kind of things. So it's completely crazy and the, it's not the same ecosystem. So we discovered that people were not using Strapi or Headless CMS because they wanted to spread content on different platforms. They wanted it to, okay, it's a new cool, cool uh, stack. We really liked the fact that we can decouple the front-end and the back-end, and we need the CMS that can be decoupled from the back-end, from the front-end, and that's that's it. And what's just that simple, and the biggest reason people needed the CMS and why it was complicated for us is that, okay, we were not like solving the right problem <laughs> or mm-hmm. I think the, the one we, we thought. And, um, and yeah, I think that's, uh, mostly it. And no, you have tons of competitors. You have tons of people and how you differentiate from the others. That's maybe the most complicated part right now. Um, but at that time it was not, uh, that the main issue. Sure. 
but it wasn't the initial goal to build a headless CMS. You know, that was, no. that's kind of, kind of what your evolution was, huh? Yeah. So I love talking to developers and, and people who are building tools that make my life easier when I want to go and build a project. Um, and so I can definitely see how Strappy and a headless CMS would help me make my, like, help me get my project done faster, reduce the amount of code that I need to write. Um, but I want to talk about it as kind of a component of a larger system and ask you, how do you define kind of the boundaries of Strappy? Like, if, especially as an open source project, I'm sure you get a lot of community feedback, a lot of feature requests, a lot of ideas for how things should work. And I find that it's helpful to philosophically have a story that says, this is what we do and this is what we don't do. And I wonder, you know, if you can express what are the boundaries of what you're putting into Strappy. For example, I can just guess that there's probably something around like users. Um, do you manage authentication, for example, for other apps? Or would you ever consider putting that in or is that out of scope? And like, how do you, how do you define that boundary? Yeah, um, not an easy not an easy question, so no easy answer, but um, we, we have this, like, you know, in our, this legacy of being a backend framework, so we are managing the users and the authentication part, and we're still doing that. Uh, even if for a CMS, it's not something our competitors do, for example. So it's um, part of our legacy, and we have so many customers using authentication, even for the CMS, and they choose Trappy for that, so it's like a differentiator on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we were like rebuilding Strapi from scratch today, that's not something I will do um, mm-hmm. because it's a bit outside. Like authentication is authentication and you can use tools like Auth0, Clark, and, and many other tools that do that very well with great developer experience. And for us, it's like a, a defocus. Like our main topic is content management. How do mm-hmm. we help companies and, and users to manage their content at scale? Authentication is not about content management. So um, we, we have this legacy. So yeah, sometimes we, 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 we have to treat that legacy like, like it is. And how do we decide like, oh, should we like merge this pull request or this, or should we like find an answer to this feature request, for example? It's all about, is it going to help 80% of our users? We have the, the chance of, of getting like a lot of user inputs thanks to the community and, and, and we have a Discord with almost like 20, 20,000 people on the Discord um, channels and we have this huge forum and we can easily know as a product team for, if you talk about myself, that what 80% of our users want and if they want it, we are going to build it. But if only 40% of our users want something, we won't include it as part of the product. But the cool thing with Swapy is that you can customize, build plugins, and often when they see that the core team and the, the core product is not going to integrate a new feature, like the community, they create a plugin for that. Um, and that's our solution. But for the core product, it's all about, do they want the feature? Yes or no? Is it related to content management system, a content management system only? Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's do it. As simple as that. And for a new developer who's starting to use Strapi, um, what's the getting started experience like? Do you have a um, like a best happy path for new users who are starting to build something with a, a content management system? Um, you know, 
as an open source product, is there are there multiple paths in terms of like self-hosted cloud? Like how do you manage that new user experience? Mm, today, like when you are a new user on Strapi, you 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 start locally. So you install Strapi locally on your computer and you uh, use your terminal and, and you, you, you you type like the, the, the npx command or yarn command and you install Strapi on it. And what we decided is that we decided to run the quick start when you're setting, setting Strapi for the first time based on SQLite. So it's a value to install a database or configure it. So you just install and it automatically installs your database. So you have nothing to do, it just works. Um, that's why we wanted to offer, even if SQLite is not great if you want to manage millions of entries in your CMS, but at least to discover the product, I think it's a, it was a good decision. It really increased adoption. From what I remember, like it, it increased by 40% the retention, like the activation oh, rate. Oh, wow. Strapi. That's a really so big it was, improvement. It was a, a big improvement and uh, we, <laughs> we have seen the difference. And uh and then, yeah, we have this happy path. Like it's uh, even our definition of activation is that we want each new user like create a new what we call collection type. So it means a structure in the CMS. It means that if you want to manage articles, you have to create an article content type, and you will create some fields like you have a title, you have a body, and you have a, I don't know like a, an author for this uh, article, and that's your structure. And we want each every single user to create a new content type, and then they create an entry, so they create their first article, and then they fetch the API, um, and they fetch the article through the API. That's our app path. Um, and and the last thing in that activation defi definition is about um, doing 10 content management actions. So we want to encourage the user to not just stop there, like you created your structure, you created your first article, and you fetched it. Okay. We want you to create a second one, or we want you to edit it, or to delete it, or to create a draft. But at least do ten other actions that prove that you are sticky enough and you understood the, the product value. Mm -hmm. And and that's our definition of the happy path. And around like uh, it, it's very low, but I think it's around ten percent of only our users are doing the complete path, and uh, almost like more than sixty percent, or at least. Um, um, creating their first content type. So that's, uh, we still have a lot of progress to do, uh, but this is, is only for the um, self-hosted edition. If you use the cloud, and that's something that will come in the future, we have the cloud that we, you're not able to create product, like your project through the cloud, mm -hmm. via the cloud. Um, I think we will make things even easier, like any no-code applications could offer, like you just mm -hmm. sign up, create your product online, you don't even install it locally, and uh, you already have like a template. And, um, and yeah. But maybe one thing that could interest the audience is that we we actually add templates when when you started Swappy. So it means we were offering you the, the, the option to start from scratch or with templates, like a blog, like an e-commerce website. And we discovered that the retention was way lower. And... Do you know why? It's mostly because you don't have the IKEA effect, because you don't create things by your own. So you don't get this extra um, dopamine effect like, okay, I created something by my own and it works and you're very happy as a user and you have this ah moment or wow effect. And and because of the templates, when you introduce templates like e-commerce or blog, you completely lose that uh, dopamine and wow effect at a moment. So um, we decided to remove them to let the users 
do and, and create their own structure, their own website, even if uh, they don't have any front end to see what it looks like, but at least they, they create something and, and it increases by a lot the retention. I'm really, really impressed by this. Um, I wasn't expecting that detailed of, of an answer. And it's, it seems like you have a pretty good understanding of the experience the user goes through. Um, especially, I'm especially impressed that you have this high level of understanding for something that runs on their own machine, right? Like this is not a cloud product. This is an open source product. So it's really impressive. I especially am surprised by this idea of the templates being removed. It mm-hmm. makes sense. But knowing factually that you tried it and it happened, um, in my own product, I just had a conversation with one of my co-founders about this, where we're guiding them through an, like an onboarding tutorial, and we talked about basically doing it for them and having it pre-made. And this conversation has swayed me to say, no, we should make them do the work, even if it's not the most efficient way to get set up. There's a lot of value in learning how things go. Yeah. Um, the the next the, the last thing I want to talk about related to just kind of the the, the space uh, of what Strapi is in is about build versus buy. So this idea that um, you know you could go and get a CMS off the shelf, or you can go and build in house. What would you recommend for somebody who's in the position to make a decision right now about build versus buy with regards to like a CMS, and how should they approach that decision? And what would you say say to somebody who's considering to build their own? I'm team, I'm biased, but uh, I would say you you have to to buy it. But uh, uh, why? I, I can tell you why. It's we I can't count the number of agencies that contacted us and say, okay, we built our own CMS in house, and the developer that developed it is gone, and there's no documentation, and we don't know how to maintain it, and uh, it, it costs a lot of money because we need to upgrade, like uh, all our previous customers on the latest version of the software? How do we manage the migration? Um, and this new customer, he wants something like specific to their project. How do we manage that? That's our job as a CMS editor to to answer those questions. Um, and and also, it's, it's, it sounds easy. Like a CMS, even for me, like I was a bit naive, but like it, it, building like CMS, it's like, okay, you just create an administration panel and you you add button to add an entry and, and you save the content in the database and then it's fetchable through an API. Yeah, that's, that's the, the, how badly it is. Yeah, but it's way more complicated than that because when you start to introducing localization, internationalization, when you start to introduce workflows, when you start to introduce permissions, when you start to introduce, okay, releases, I want to, this part of my content only be released and published, uh, in a month. And when you, we start with companies like Adidas, for example, all the content from Adidas, all their website, mobile application, everything is managed by Strapi. Adidas, for example, what, what's pretty cool is that in 2023, we are seeing the content that they wrote, they wrote, sorry, in 2021. So they write their content two years ahead. So it means they have to plan everything. They have teams in, in, in 20 different countries to translate, review, manage, prepare, release, build the assets. And for that, they need like a software and like a very powerful software with a lot of capabilities. And what happens if they, for example, if they, they don't want to uh, sell product in a country, they remove like a, a language. And what happened to all the content that was, let's say, um, uh, 
try to, to translate in Spanish because they don't want to sell in, in Spain anymore. I don't know why they would do that, but what happened to that content? And you have a lot of questions. Where do we delete it? Do we uh, archive it? Do we uh, translate it in another language? Do we, what do we do? And you have so many questions. It's, it's so complex when you go like in depth in each um, uh, problematic and, and, and issue that you could have when managing content that no, don't try to build an in-house CMS. To be honest, it's uh, like it's been nine years. We all start like we started to build Strapi, and and I, I will not expect how difficult like this uh, it is. It's it's very complex, and that's why WordPress exists. That's why Drupal exists, and and many other CMSs or Webflow or any other. It's uh, it's very complicated, and it's it's rarely a good choice to build something yourself um, except it's very specific to your company but the CMS is something which is very generic and we all have the same needs it happened that you know the more specific and detailed the problem you know more and more focused the more the devil is in the details and if you're very reliant on uh, a tool that you know serves you in this way it just it gets so complicated really quickly like the example you said about like having so many languages in different countries and the timelines and it's like, yeah, those are all features that a CMS should do. But if you're building this yourself, you're never going to get to that point, right? Uh, another one that yeah. I thought was really interesting about the, you know, the idea that if a developer leaves and you have a homegrown solution and nobody can, uh, you know, manage your thing, part of your job as a CMS provider in the open source space or otherwise is creating a talent pool of people who understand the product. Um, and a decision tree around which product to use for a problem very much can depend on how big is the talent pool. I mean, if you think about just hiring engineers, if you mm -hmm. choose to use a certain stack, let's say using JavaScript, there are so many engineers out there who are comfortable with JavaScript. So it's a safe bet to be able to hire more talent. But if you choose an esoteric language, um, the talent pool is so much smaller and you exactly. can have a really hard time you know, attracting the right talent. Um, so yeah, that's a really good argument for build versus buy is to consider what the talent pool is. You had mentioned a little bit earlier about this idea of, I think you called them content um, content types. You said something about fields. You said something about entries. Um, I want to talk about the building blocks of Strapi. Uh, as a developer, I love dealing with abstractions and I love having good abstractions. And the best developer products for me are the ones that give me a set of tools in my toolbox that control or that, that offer the right level of abstraction for the type of work I want to do. And I'd love to know what the kind of user-facing primitives are in Strapi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you start with a project. I think that the first concept, like for each project, um, you, you, you have a one Strapi instance. And in each project, you have content types. Those content types, they can be collections or single types. So collections mean it's something that's going to be repeatable, like, uh, articles and single types are going to be pages an about us page or uh, you know like the text you will uh, um, put in your uh, cookies pop, pop up <laughs> when you are, you enter for the first time on a website this so these are the, the the two different kind of content types we have and then we have the fields and then we have what we call the value so the fields is like a visual rep representation of a value for humans so a field is like, let's say you are building a sliders and you have different pictures or yeah, 
that's it. And so you have different images. So for us, it's one field as human. When I can move from one picture to another, it's a slider for me. But in at the end, the value is a JSON. Um, JSON like uh, the value stored in the database is a JSON. And, and, and we really want to distinguish those because value and field are not the same. And it can, the type of the value can change according to the database. Um, so yeah, this, this is what we have. And the fields, we have what we call the custom fields. So it means as a developer, you can create your own fields, like a color picker, or you want to integrate with your internal tool or internal systems. And you create a field, which is like a React component and Srapi that display the value as you want it to be displayed and you can interact with it the way you want it to interact with it. So that's, uh, that's the main primitives. Um, then we also have plugins, which are a way to extend your app, your project, your Strapi project, your single Strapi project. Uh, and, and uh, plugins can uh, add new custom fields uh, in your project. You can add new content types. Uh, and you can also add settings in the settings panel. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, that's the main primitives. Yeah. Excellent. I love that the, um, the idea of like plugins being a primitive in this interface. Um, something that's really interesting to me is designing plugin in, uh, plugin interfaces or designing just like developer APIs. Can mm. you talk? I mean, I mean, you said uh, a plugin can, um, add custom fields, add custom content types, and add settings in the setting panel. Um, can you talk about where you drew the lines around your plugin architecture, like what interfaces you provide and why you provided those interfaces? I, I would imagine that there's some kind of you know, common use cases um, of the plugins. Um, so how did you yeah, end up um, building that? So most of the interfaces, like yeah, sure, are APIs. Um, so because then you have to integrate with, for example, uh, if your plugins is uh, adding a new step in the flow before publishing an API, like uh, an entry, you have to be integrated with what we call the content manager, which is a, a core plugin. And so the core, like the content manager is exposing APIs to let you add step in the publication flow. You can also, um, you also have to manage the permissions. So the permission plugin um, which is not a really a plugin, it's a core plugin, um, uh, expose an API to add permissions um, for your plugins on each actions of your plugin. So um, yeah, those are the two main and the most important um, uh, core plugins that expose APIs, the ones that are very important uh, when you're developing plugin, especially when you're developing plugins that have an impact on the publication flow. If you're just doing a plugins to import uh, CSV or export data, it's completely different. You don't need to interact with those API. And what you will just do is like you register your plugin to make sure that Strapi will load it when we start the, the project. Mm -hmm. And then you have like a, um, an, an, an API that we expose that allows you to um, uh, add pages and these pages can be in the settings panel or it can be outside the setting panel. You just add a new pages in the administration panel of Strapi and then you do whatever you want. So we expose so many different APIs. Um, and the last one I would like to mention is what we call the injection zones. So in, you know, to make the, the administration panel, um, uh, 
um, customizable because it's one of our differentiator on, on the market. So we have different in, injection zones uh, in the administration panel that allows you to inject any front-end component. could be on the dashboard. It can be on any view where there's an injection zone. You can inject anything. Um, so this one is a very important API because it, it brings a, a, a lot of um, power to the developer to yeah, customize SAP and, and make it uh, fit their needs. Like it helps them to fit their needs. And, and I can't remember like IKEA, for example, they manage their IKEA.com website using SAP and they completely, they completely, yeah, I think they overuse the system, but they completely revamp the administration panel thanks to the injection zones. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they built like a preview system uh, for them based on, on some constraints they have. It, it was incredible to see. Um, and you have people who are using uh, those injection zones to bring some e-commerce um, um, component within the administration panel of Strapi that helps like people that write product descriptions to also have like some information from their Shopify store, like the price, the number of products uh, that's still uh, that's left in the in the stock, or the number of uh, colors available for this T-shirt. So, yeah, it. it it helps and it brings creativity uh, um, to the. It helps, sorry, it helps developer to 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 be creative uh, in, in with Strapi and and to make Strapi like easily integrate integrable in their in their um, workflows or in their product. So that's a system. That's the, the cool part. You've already given me a a handful of examples of users. So you mentioned Adidas. You mentioned IKEA. You mentioned um, the the signage systems. Um, is there an overall persona that you're targeting with Strapi? Who's who's the the user? Like who's the generalized user um, that you're aiming for? Mm. For the, the the community edition, we there's no persona. Like we have non-profits. We have <laughs> um, like very well-known brands that use Strapi for free and. We have freelancers and we have digital agency anywhere. Any any kind of persona is using the community edition. For the enterprise edition, it's different. And our ICP is any companies that work in a highly regulated industry or that has a lot of customization needs. If they need to customize it, like any um, SaaS software as a service um, tool is not going to fit their needs enough or if they are in a highly regulated industry, they need to be, they need to control the data, they need to be self-hosted, they need to have a lot of um, certification. And by being open source, they can audit the code, they own everything, they control everything. So it's easier for them to use open source software. So yeah, those are the two main persona. Um, and where we are going as a, as a endless CMS editor is that we discovered that the more, it's like GitLab because um, we are similar to GitLab in, in many ways, but uh, the more complex the content management uh, structure of a company is, the more they are likely to use a CMS like Strapi. Um, so it, it doesn't, it's not about the size or the type of company. It's about how complex their content management structure is. You can be a, a team of two content editors, but if you have two highly senior professional content editors, they will bring a lot of processes and will have a, this complexity. And sometimes it's just because the team is huge and they have a lot of uh, processes. So 
uh, it's more about this. And that's not the same. It was for GitLab. It's about the DevOps complexity. Uh, and it's not about the persona, really. I love the clarity of the selling point that Strappy is attractive for an enterprise because they have high customization needs. And the only way you're going to get that level of customization is to be open source. Um, also, the idea that the value comes from how complex their content needs are, not the size of their team. But with that, I think there comes a challenge because generally when it comes to pricing you know, a business, pricing a product like this, you want to charge a higher price the more value the customer gets out of it. And very frequently that's tied to the number of people in the company. It's like we sell seats or True. something like that. <laughs> but I wonder how do you price against the value proposition that Strappy is more valuable for somebody, a company or a team that has more complex needs? Do you charge... Um, do you do your pricing to match to how complex the use case is or how big the company is or, or some hybrid? Um, we, we charge per users, uh, per user. So, so that's the, the current business model. So it, it works pretty well, uh, but you're right. Like sometimes uh, the project, there's a lot of users, but the product doesn't bring uh, that's a lot of value uh, from a customer perspective. So... That's where we have like some um, pricing alternatives uh, that we sometimes use. Um, uh, for example, one thing which is complicated in our industry is that if, let's say, you are a, a, a big group and you have like, let's say, 10,000 employees and you want those 10,000 employees being able to connect in the, to the administration panel to edit their profile, 10,000 users, like, wow, it's going to cost a lot for us. But they are going to connect once in their entire uh, employee journey in that company. So we, we can't charge that, like, uh, as a full user, like, it, it's a light user. And we have this kind of light user as something we, we are experimenting, like, okay, if one user is not going to connect more than twice a year, okay, we have different pricing for this kind of user. So it, it, it's very Complex is no perfect way. Uh, I think the even the competitors they are trying to look for the best uh, way to charge for this kind of users and use case. And the other thing we have is the number of projects. Sometimes we have companies who are building twenty different websites in twenty different teams, and they choose Trappy. And do you charge the like the same amount for each project? No, you have to to find a way to discount based on the number of projects too. So you have two variables: the number of users, the number of projects. And we are experimenting. Um, um, it's a bit new, so I can't share a lot about this, but uh, there are solutions. I'm sure. I, I think this is very interesting. Um, I also had some experience with uh, a SaaS product that I worked on and light users. You know, we didn't call them light users, but we had a number of enterprise companies, you know, 5,000, 10,000 employees, 50,000 employees, very, very big companies. And they wanted every employee in the company to have access to the product, but they didn't want to pay the licensing fee for every person because, mm -hmm. you know, let's say 50 to 60% of the people would only ever read the content and never do any actions. Um, and so I think we ended up coming up with some ideas around um, basically no, no write. Um, you know, as, as long as you're only reading, uh, then it's fine. Once you start to do write actions, then you have to pay money uh, for the seat. Um, but yeah, I think that's very interesting. All pricing discussions around this stuff are really interesting to me too. Um, I think that you have an added complexity in that, um, you know, choosing between open source and running it yourself versus paying for a cloud or whatever, if the pricing isn't appealing, 
the customer generally has the option to go and just download the thing and do it themselves. So you have an extra challenge of competing against they might do it themselves. But yep. generally, the bigger the company, the less willing they are to run it themselves. They just don't want to do it. They'd rather just spend the money. Um, so it's not it's not the worst thing in the world, I think. It's like the bill versus buy. You have to maintain yeah. it then. Exactly. <laughs> so to the cost. Yeah. Were there any, uh, are there any customers uh, or use cases of Strappy that totally surprised you and you didn't expect? Yeah, there's one for the, it was from the MIT. Uh, I think they they created um, uh, some bench that they put in the streets and they, they have like a small server in the bench and the server is connected to, um, uh, the, on the server they have a Strappy app and the Strappy app is connected to, um, um, like I um, don't know where the system is, but like to a central system, and they have like benches uh, all over all over all the world across the country, at least in, in, in Mexico, and they those benches they um, um, will uh, emit the sound when there's an earthquake coming, and all the content and and all the like the safety guidelines that will be um, um, shared to the citizens. Uh, has been uh, stored in Strapi, and Strapi is managing the content that the the, the bench is uh, um, not displaying, but uh, telling to the to the citizen. This was like a completely unexpected use case. Or the last one was the airline company using Strapi to manage the movies in the plane. This one was unexpected as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, those are some crazy use cases we have. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. So before we wrap up, um, I want to talk about the future. Um, what do you wish that Strappy um, could do that it doesn't do now? Or you know, more specifically, what do you have planned for the future if you're willing to share anything about that? Yeah, um, I think we can see the trends uh, with tools like LiveBlocks, Particit, um, but real-time collaboration. Like we really want to double down on collaboration and especially like bring real-time to the next level in a CMS. Um, we, 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 we really loved like the industry, we love the CMS, but I think the way we have been designed, the CMS is still like doing an old-fashioned way. Like we, we need to bring modernity and, and to make those tools uh, um, like, yeah, in the 2020s, like century, like uh, not century, but uh, oh my God, I would say that. Uh, 2020 decade decade yeah so I will repeat um, and we want like to, to bring this tool in the 2020 decades and and yeah we want, we're going to invest a lot on, on real time of course AI is playing a, a, an important role right now in our industry because it's changing the way we are writing content or translating content or reviewing content or improving uh, so um, we I have uh, this personal opinion that um, we should not let AI like write the content, but at least assist us to write content. Uh, it, it, we should be like the the owner of the idea and to let the human be creative and let just AI ends that. Uh, so I think that's something we will work on certainly this year too at Strapi. Uh, so yeah, collaboration, real-time AI are like the three main exciting topics we we plan to yeah, including our roadmap uh, in the, the months to come. I'm very excited to see um, more about the collaboration and the real-time um, stuff as you work on it. One of the challenges I've had as you know somebody who puts out content for marketing in, uh, in startups has been 
we generally have done all of our collaboration in some other tool, not the CMS. So we would, for example, open a Google Doc, do all of our work in the Google Doc, and then finally, when we feel confident in the content, we'd put it into our CMS or somebody's job would be to like, you know, make it into a real post. But I feel that working in the, you know, the, the final format, you know, seeing it in the website, seeing it in all that stuff is so valuable that yeah. um, I wish that the tools for collaboration in the CMSs were, were more suitable, but uh, most of them, they're just terrible. <laughs> yeah. I think you described like one of the, the problems I didn't like mention at the very beginning of the show is that no one is using the CMS to write their content. And, and that's an issue for us. Uh, we know why, like people prefer Google Doc they, or Notion, like the experience is way better. And it's, it's you have those suggestion modes, those comments mode, like it can be integrated with some presentations. Like, yeah, it, it's way better. And the thing is that when you look at the CMS right now, they are all uh, locked, like you're, like you're locked in the system. That's why I don't like this word system, content management system. But also like you can't share a, a page and make it public and have anyone working on it at the same time, like you will do with a Miro board or you will do with a Notion page. And why is it not mm -hmm. possible to do that with a CMS? Nothing like, uh, um, sorry, I will rephrase that, but like we could do the same with the CMS. There's no, nothing that prevents us to, to not do that. And, and that's something, yeah, we, we have in mind and we want to, to change the, this paradigm, like the way we approach content in the CMS. And that could be like the, the place where you are creative when you, you start writing content and, uh, in a way that could be directly on the website. Like the CMS could just be a layer on top of your website and you don't even see the administration panel. I remember a long time ago seeing some CMS tools that were like edit in place tools. So you'd go onto the website and it would, you know, load a JavaScript on your existing website. You click a button and then you could just edit the text right, right in line in the website. And it, you know, it was kind of interesting. It never really worked correctly. Um, but mm -hmm. I, 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 I feel like that direction is very interesting as well. Um, so just, um, to wrap up the last, uh, the last thing is, you know, the listeners and, and I, uh, all love developer tools and, you know, I would love to hear if there are any other developer tools that you're interested in that you've seen recently that you think are pretty cool, uh, that kind of fit this yes code, uh, framework, you know, giving them remixable primitives at a higher level, um, and just simplifying the developer experience to build great yeah. stuff. I think I mentioned already live blocks. I maybe you don't know them because they're French, but uh, yeah, they're doing an amazing work on, on real time. Um, it can be collaboration, but like just to, the way they do things and the API and, and their SDK are really great. Uh, I recently discovered Clerk. I mentioned it too. Um, it's like an authentication tool that is like the user experience, the developer experience is insane. Like in, in just a few lines in a React component, you can build your signing, sign-up, sign-out pages, uh, and, and you have almost nothing to configure, just install a package and, and, and put like two configuration and key and that's it. And, and, uh, and then if the, there's always, because I think, for example, they are competing against Out0 and Okta and the developer experience was already great, but it proved yeah. that you can do even better and, and simplify everything. And you can see right now, like in this yes code, space more and more tools that are just picking one topic, one problem. And when there's a, like an infrastructure issue behind like scaling issue, 
you can build a business on that. Because managing WebSocket at scale, it's difficult. Managing authentication at scale with some security issue, it's difficult. And there's many other areas like payments, like Stripe, for example, where you can, I'm pretty sure like we could be something, build, build something better than Stripe. It could be even more simple, uh, this kind of thing. So yeah, those are the things I have in mind right now. I'm, I'm looking a, a lot at this space because every, each single tool can be integrated with Strapi and the opposite is true too. So uh, yeah, it's it's very, very cool uh, to see this space growing and, and uh, yeah, it's love it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for joining the podcast. This is a really great conversation. Um, where should people go if they want to learn more about Strapi or get in touch with you or the company or the community? Um, maybe you can tell us the, the, the few places that we can point them to. Yeah, uh, strapi.io for the for the website and uh, yeah if you want to to reach out like please uh, um, follow me on, on Twitter I think that's the best place so it's my first name and last name Aurelian Georgette uh, on Twitter and uh, and yeah thank you for for inviting me on the podcast it was a love the discussion thank you all right have a great day thank you